Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. The housing market is still bonkers. People are spending a lot of money over asking price in some cities, 
still to this date, and the interest rates are around 6.5% plus. That all seems a bit bleak if you're looking to buy a house. So in this Ask Shauna, I'm answering the question, are there any good reasons to actually buy a house right now? Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here. Hello there. Welcome back to the show. I know I say this about every Friday, but I really love Fridays and I love answering these Ask Shauna questions. I don't know. I just, I love that you spend the time to send in a question. I know that money is a really tricky, tricky topic. And I would imagine that's why you actually listen to this podcast. And it can feel very nerve wracking to send in a question about money because I think there's something that feels very scary. Like if you if you ask me a question, I'm going to immediately know the inner workings of your money and your relationship with money and every decision you've ever made about money. And I think that just feels so overwhelming. So if you listen to these episodes and you think, I would really love to send in a question, but I am <laughs> so scared to do that, just know that you are absolutely not alone. When I was working with people one-on-one uh, -on -one with their money, there was always this air of really it being so hard to be vulnerable around money. And every person, whether it was somebody just out of college, somebody who was more established, or especially somebody who was coming to meet with their partner, was this fear of talking about money in this way and having somebody else give some sort of opinions based off of the goals that you want to achieve and and what's kind of getting in the way. And so everybody would say to me just verbatim, <laughs> I'm so anxious about talking to you about money and I'm so anxious at you actually looking at my money and I don't know how to get past this fear. And, you know, I, I would just always tell everybody because this would come up at the beginning of every conversation I would have is you're completely normal. Everybody feels this way and I, I understand it. So I love these Ask Shana questions because it does take a little vulnerability for you to send them in to me and for me to address them in a really public way like this on the show. But I promise you that if you send in a question and you want to remain anonymous, that I will absolutely honor that. I will never give out anybody's last name. That is absolutely not in my plan ever. And I will even disguise your first name if you want to just make up a whole other first name, right? The important thing is that you feel like there's a place where you can ask these questions. And what I love is that I get to answer them in a really kind of raw and unfiltered way. When I record these episodes, there's not a lot of editing that I do with them purposely because I want you to feel like we are just sitting across from each other having a conversation about money. I want you to feel like you're safe and your questions are welcome. And also I'm coming to you as just 
one money expert. There are lots of different ways to think about a question. And I know that's what makes this really difficult, what makes money really difficult, because a lot of times you want a very black and white answer to a question. You want me or some other expert to tell you, do this, do these five steps, do it in this order, and this is how it's going to turn out. But I will tell you realistically that it it just doesn't work that way. There are so many X factors. Even if you're going to somebody to come up with an investment plan for you, there is a general direction, obviously, that they're pointing you in, and there's a probable outcome of what will happen. But there are so many different factors that we don't know. We don't know what interest rates are going to be like. We don't know what the stock market is going to be like. There's just so many factors we don't know. So everything around money has to have kind of an asterisk mark, has to live a little bit in this gray area. And so with these Ask Shauna episodes, what I'm trying to do is just to open your mind up to think about decisions you might make or how you feel about this or... Uh, you know, is there a little bit that you take out of, of what I'm saying or what I'm answering back to a question that feels right to you? That's great. Take out what feels good and just get rid of the rest, right? Uh, that's what I love about you sending in questions. So if you got a question, there's a link in the show notes. Go over super, super fast little form. It could be a really small question. It could be a success story. It could be a big question. I love to answer them all. I've got quite a backlog of questions, but what I try to do is go through them and find sort of the central themes. So this question really stood out to me and got me thinking about how to answer it honestly. So it's from Dominic and they say, hi there, Shauna. We've been listening to this show for a long time before the name change. And no matter what the name is of the show, we're going to be listening. So here's where we're at. We make decent money and live a pretty good life. We're 41 now, and our current big money goal is to buy a house. We live in Chicago. So while it's not the most expensive place, it's still pretty, pretty pricey. My family growing up didn't own their own home, so it's a big deal for us to purchase a home. But all my friends think we're crazy for considering it now with interest rates and the prices of houses. Some of my friends that don't know anything about money, all they think is that there's this crystal ball, which we think is really funny, and think we should wait another year or two until everything settles down. To us, though, a home is about more than the price of it. It's about the feeling, feeling accomplished, and having a place that is ours. A landlord won't be able to raise the rent or decide to sell the home. We'll know how much the payment is and be able to budget for it. So... Shauna, I mean, what do you think? Is it worth buying a house? Are there good reasons besides all the bad stuff in the market right now? Are we crazy? I appreciate you, Shauna. Thank you so much for the response. Dominic, thank you so much for sharing that question. There was a lot in there, and I really applaud the honesty and sharing some of the personal background and money story that really helps me think about how I want to answer this question. So, let me share a bit about my first home buying experience before I get to your question. I think I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast in bits and pieces, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into it. So I was 24 and I thought that I absolutely had to have a house. Like that was 
that was an achievement. And at 24, when I look back now, I think at 24, I was so young. How could how could a house be the achievement, the marker of achievement? And why did I even care back then? I, I don't really know. I don't really have answers to those questions. At that time, I was married to my first husband. So if you have not been listening to this show for long, the cliff note version is I got divorced in my early 30s and had to walk away from all of my assets and take on a ton of debt. So it is not a story for the faint of heart, but that's what happened. I had to rebuild myself uh, early 30s. By that time, I was a money expert, certified financial planner. So I had some tools in the toolkit but I felt really, I, gosh, I don't even have the words for it. I just felt really sad to be going through the experience, really sad to be starting over in my 30s. And one of the things that I had to do was to walk away from my house and move back into my parents' house. So a little moral there, I guess I would say, is that even though you think everything's going to work out perfectly, it doesn't always. But this isn't a story about divorce. This is a story about home buying. So the house, it was in Los Angeles. And the price tag at that time was around $300,000, which in LA around that time was a decent price. I know that if you're listening to this episode somewhere else, you might think that is a ridiculous amount of money. And I wholeheartedly agree with you. But that's what you got for, I believe it was about a 1500 square foot house. And it was gorgeous. We went to a gorgeous at 24 years old, I will say. We must have looked at like somewhere around 100 houses. It was an insane amount of houses. And everyone would be like, okay, well, I like this and not this. And this is pretty cool. But when I walked into this house, from the minute the front door opened, I was just like, oh, this is my space. I, I get this feeling. I don't know if you've ever had that before when you've rented a place or maybe the home you live in now, but something just feels like you belong there. And so this house felt very much like I belong there. It had three bedrooms, it had two baths, had this really cool kind of back area of the house that used to be part of the patio, but they enclosed it. And the floor was brick and the ceiling was wood. So it was just this really unique space. I actually never really knew what to do with the space when we lived there, but it was a kind of a sunny area of the house. It was beautiful. They were, uh, the previous people that owned the house were landscaped architects. So they'd really done up the lawn. The backyard was just, it was so peaceful and so great. I mean, I had no idea at 24 how much in money it cost to maintain a backyard like that, but Again, that's a whole other story. So it was just, it was in a great neighborhood. And it was just, I don't know, I felt perfect. And we had been approved for $350,000. And I remember we had $5,000 from our own savings and about $10,000 or so from our parents. It might have been 10, I can't remember exactly the numbers, but we had some, luckily, some money from our parents. And I know not everyone has that abilities. So I definitely know that that was a complete blessing because there would be absolutely no other way we were able to buy the house. But I can remember this moment standing outside of the house in the front lawn 
And this was before I was a money expert. I had already run a business and sold a business. And so I was our, I was just always kind of numbers focused, but I was trying to do the math in my head and figure out whether we could afford it. Was it worth it to take our entire savings and put it into this house? How were we going to make it all work? So I was, I was trying to do all that math and the realtor standing there. My ex-husband was standing there. I was trying to figure out how am I going to ask my parents for some money for the down payment? So it was just one of those really, I guess, ballsy moments where I, I had to listen to my intuition and it was... I don't know what it was telling me. Again, I don't know why I decided that I had to buy a house right then, but I decided, okay, let's go for it. Like, I think it's all going to work out. We had not had any plans of moving away from the house in a short time period. So I thought, okay, we'll be able to, I think, make a profit on the house. And if nothing else, this is a house that you know, we would want to live in for a very long time. So there were these two paths that I walked out. One was feeling completely at home, feeling like this was my house, being in my own backyard, the sun, there was a jacuzzi in the backyard. So I love water. (laughs) So that was a great kind of selling point. Again, I had no idea what it cost to actually maintain that. Um, we had bought a mower and so I started mowing the lawn and I, I had this pride feeling that this was my home and that, you know, I was taking care of it. Then the other path was things started to break. <laughs> the plumbing went out. Um, we had to put all new copper piping in the house, literally from the the street all the way around into our house. And I remember when they gave us the estimate, I almost fainted. They were like, okay, well, you know, it's going to take about two or three days. And, you know, we think it's pretty cost effective. It's only going to be $25,000. And I was like, come again? (laughs) $25,000? I just gave $5,000, like the only money that we had to buy this house how in the world am I going to come up with $25,000? Like, where is that money actually going to come from? And so we had to actually refinance the house not too long after we had purchased it to take money out in order to afford the plumbing, which was just, I mean, things were just blowing my mind that, you know, the house could have such a great feeling, but on the other hand, could be so freaking expensive. So as I mentioned in my divorce, we ended up having to sell the house. And that was really hard because there were so many years I lived there, almost nine years. There was so much money and love that was actually put into that house. It was like my refuge. I cried a lot of tears in that house. I celebrated getting um, passing my certified financial planner exam. I launched a business in that house. And it was just a great house to be in. But then I remembered that what makes a house a home and that that thing was me. So I could make another home. I could make another space that felt like me. And I could also look at it as a great adventure. And so for a while, I really loved 
like seriously loved not having a house to deal with. I loved that I didn't have to do any repairs, that when something broke, I could call the manager where I lived and they could fix it, they could deal with it, and it didn't have to come out of my pocket. I also loved that I didn't have to pay taxes and insurance. And so renting really worked great for me for for quite a few years. And I also loved that I was free again to be able to move anywhere I wanted to. So I did. I moved about 50 miles away down to Long Beach. I lived in a beautiful condo that was overlooking the ocean. I could have never imagined that that would be a reality for me. It was a just a stunner of a place. And I I love my neighbors and it was just community that I really needed at that at that time in my life. And that's when I met my now husband, Jeff. And so it was just, it was great for me. And so I've never really prescribed to that idea that renting is throwing away money because in either scenario, whether you're renting or you're buying a house, you're still making a monthly payment. <laughs> there is still money that is coming out of your bank account. Now, I understand when you own, the money that's coming out of your bank account is working to actually chip away on the amount you owe on your home. But if you look at an amortization chart of a you know 30-year loan on a house, great many years, 10 plus years, you're actually just paying interest. So you're actually not totally chipping away at the price of the house. And so, you know, I just, I really feel like it's not always just about buying a house. And I wish I could go back to that 24-year-old and I wish I could tell her, like, slow your roll. This doesn't have to happen now. And there are a lot of things that you actually need to think about. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. 
You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. So I, I really loved renting. I I think that it has a time and a place. And I think that, again, it's just sort of the societal belief that you have to think, oh, if I'm renting, I'm doing this bad thing and I'm throwing away money and I'm not doing something smart with my money unless I'm buying a house. But buying a house, it takes a lot of money. It's not just the down payment and the closing costs and those sorts of things. It's all the other stuff that goes into it. And so you really do need to have a strong financial foundation. You need to think about things. Um, I'm not going to go into you know necessarily these specifics, but you need to think about what type of loan you're getting. You know, if you're getting a variable rate loan, which I always caution against, I know that a lot of times the interest rate is lower than a 30-year fixed or 15-year fixed, but I'm a big fan of that word fixed. I really like that word. You know what your payment is going to be. A variable rate is going to adjust. And so you don't know what interest rates are going to be like. You don't know how long you're going to stay in the house. There are lots of things that make me really nervous about a variable rate mortgage. That's just my personal preference, but also sort of my my expert uh, hat, if I'm going to put that on, right? So, you know, I think this comes back to this, this gray area. Dominic, you asked this question about 
are there good reasons to buy a house? And there are always going to be good reasons. And there's always going to be reasons that aren't so good. And that is probably going to be the reality around almost any money decision you make. But what I love also, Dominic, is that you shared the emotions behind why a house would matter. So that that I think is worth a lot. And it's certainly something to dive into a little bit. It's a feeling that you can attach to, especially since your family did not own a childhood home. And I find a lot of people who who lived in a rental property growing up, you have this sort of extra desire to own a home. You really want something that you can call your own. And that there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you could stand on that and tell me that's the reason that you want to buy a house. And I would say, okay, I can't argue with that. That is a feeling, a, a sense of ownership, of owning something, of creating hopefully generational wealth. That is a big deal. And buying a house and passing a house down generations, that's a great way to, to pass money on to future generations. The reality is that most of us these days, we don't tend to live in a home for 30 years, just like we tend to not work in a job for 30 years. And so I would say, I would say, you know, based on my own experience, I don't know what the actual studies reveal, but I think somewhere between like five to seven, eight years, somewhere in there is sort of the average of how long most people tend to stay in a home. But of course, there's always outliers and you might find an amazing house that you want to stay in for the rest of your life. That's fantastic. Like what an amazing thing. Again, you can't escape the costs of buying a home. There's the down payment. The down payment, if it's less than 20% of the purchase price, you need to also pay what's called PMI, private mortgage insurance. That's costly. Coming up with 20% of, let's say, the average price of a house in your area, I don't know, you know, 400000 500000 I think that's a big reality in so many different places. You know, it's 80000 to $100,000. A lot of us just don't have that money just lying around. A lot of us don't have money that we can get from our parents. Uh, so that's a lot in itself, just to, to think about that component. But then on top of that, right, there's closing costs and fees that you have to pay. When you're buying a house, there's inspection costs. So an inspector you'll hire, they'll come out, they'll look upside down, inside out, every which way of your house, put together this huge report, the good things and then maybe the not so good things about a house. And that's really important. You definitely want an inspection because you want to know soup to nuts, what's going on in your house? What are you going to have to fix? You know, and in my experience, the most expensive things to fix are plumbing, obviously, roof, Windows are actually really expensive as well. And foundation, if they find anything foundation, my advice would be probably just to walk away from the house because <laughs> that could be really, really expensive. But paying for an inspection, it's usually a relatively small amount of money. I'm talking about a couple hundred dollars, but you'll have this whole report of your house and that you definitely want to have that. You know, then there's also insurance and taxes and repairs before you move in. So there's lots of things to think about in terms of cost. So I always suggest, you know, 
talk to a couple of different realtors, talk to a couple of different friends who maybe have bought houses in your area, like do some research. If you, if you're going to remodel, maybe hire an architect to come over and and look at your house, like really understand what it's going to mean to you. Another suggestion that I always suggest is let's say that your rent currently is $2,000, but let's say that the mortgage on your potential new house is $2,600 a month. So what I always suggest is practice paying that $2,600 a month price for a couple of months. See how that feels in your in your spending and your savings goals and see whether it makes sense. So yeah, with a house, you're going to get a tax deduction, obviously, but you still got to make that payment every month. So you just want to make sure that you're able to afford that payment. That all can add up a lot. So you just want to make sure that you're you're not putting yourself in a really uncomfortable money position, especially as Dominic, you mentioned with high interest rates and having to go over the asking price for so many homes. I don't know. Uh, so Dominic, you're in Chicago. I don't know where, uh, wherever the rest of you are listening from. I don't know what the market is like, but I live in um, Asheville, North Carolina, and the market never really took a dip down. It's just stayed pretty expensive. And most houses are going over the asking price. And so if the asking price is already kind of at the at the breaking point for you, that's a tough place, <laughs> right? So you want to just kind of factor all of this in. But again, I, you know, buying a house has, has always long been this idea of success and kind of this you have arrived factor. But does it make you happy though? That's a really interesting thing to consider. You know, I'm reading this book. It's called um, A Life Worth Living. And it's so fascinating. I, I'm trying to get the author here on the, on the podcast. But it's based off of this course at, I believe it's at Yale. Don't quote me. Uh, but I believe they offer this co- this course at Yale. And so it's asked all these questions about, what is a life worth living? Like, like, what does it look like? How do you want to be defined? How do you feel about all of these different things in your life? And I mean, it's just sort of a fascinating read. But they talk about this idea of happiness and what does happiness actually mean? Does buying a house mean happiness to you? And the follow-up question would be, why? What, what does that look like for you? What would make you happy about buying a home? Does that maybe work against some of the cons? And the answers can be absolutely yes, right? (laughs) It doesn't have to be something negative. So there was this interesting uh, study that I found from 2011 from the University of Pennsylvania, and it was mentioned in an NBC Make It article, which I will link in the show notes, on about uh, 600 women in Ohio found that homeowners weren't any happier than renters. In fact, the homeowners derived significantly more pain from their house and their home. So I found that really interesting that homeowners were actually saying that they weren't happier, that renting was actually just fine for them. But the problem is, is that once you move from renting to buying the house, you can't usually easily go back to renting unless, of course, somebody's going to buy your house at 
the price or more than you paid for it, right? That's kind of the downside of buying a house is you can't just easily kind of get out of the house. (laughs) You kind of have to stay, I would say, usually a year to two years in order to be able to sell it for any kind of profit. And that, of course, is determinant on, on the market and where you live and gosh, so many, so many X factors. But there was another study on over 3,000 German adults over a 16-year period that found that people experienced a significant boost in satisfaction during the first five years of owning a home, but they actually didn't feel any happier about their lives overall. So I thought that was really interesting. So they felt like this boost in satisfaction, which I get because you feel like you've done something, you feel like you've achieved something. But when they're looking at just overall happiness in their lives, they weren't more happy because they had bought a house or happier. More happy really doesn't make sense, right? Happier. (laughs) See what I mean about very live and unscripted in these episodes? I just kind of talk off the cuff. Um, So it's interesting data, but it comes back to what makes you happier you know, you kept talking about this idea of creating a feeling, Dominic, in your house, how that would make you feel, how proud you would be, especially since the your parents did not own a home. That is actually worth something. And although there isn't a price tag on that, right, it's definitely a pro for buying a house. Even if the interest rates are high, even if houses are selling over asking, the tough part is, is that who knows when the interest rates are going to come back again. So there is mathematical fact that if you bought that same house a couple of years ago, your mortgage payment would be a lot less than it is now. I mean, that's just plain math. Going over asking price, you know, that's happened a lot through history. So who knows how long that's actually going to continue. So there are just, again, so many things you can't control. So I think when I would be looking at this decision of, are you crazy? Are you not crazy? It kind of comes down to a couple of things. So I think some things that that I would think about if I was in your situation. One is I would definitely get pre-qualified with a mortgage broker. And I would do that before you even start shopping for a house. So you can see what you can actually truly afford. And then you don't go over it, right? So you only look at houses that are in that specific price range. And I know it's really tough because I am an admitted Zillow-aholic myself. So it's super easy to want to look at houses that are over what you can afford or really to look at any house before you actually know what you can afford. But I guarantee you (laughs) is the fastest way to get yourself trapped into trying to buy something that maybe you can't afford. So get pre-qualified. It doesn't cost money. Um, A mortgage broker will look at lots of things like your credit score, um, your work history, how much you earn, your paychecks, things like that. And then you'll just, you'll know, you'll know this is how much house I can buy. So you're, you're taking back control of some of the things that you, that you can do. So if houses in your area are actually going over asking price, you might want to actually look below that that limit a little bit so that you feel like you have some some wiggle room in there. 
Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up. Like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Then I would say, find a realtor that will really advocate for you and present your story in the best way possible. One of the best tricks I learned uh, when I worked for a very small stint in the mortgage and real estate business was that if you have a great realtor, you can write, I mean, you could have a not so great realtor if this isn't determinate on that, but you write a letter to the home seller and tell them your story. Tell them how much this house will mean to you. Tell them what you plan to do with the house. Tell them all the man- magic memories you plan to make in the house. Just tell your whole honest story. Present that to the realtor and have the realtor present it to uh, whoever is selling the house. That will help a lot of times uh, you actually getting the house over maybe somebody who has overbid on the house. Because remember, if you're selling a house, you have your story of living in that house. And although it may feel like it's just four walls, right? A house is a home. And so usually the sellers want to make sure that they're selling it to somebody who's going to continue on with the memories and take care of that house. So writing a letter is a great way, especially if you're in a really competitive market, they kind of stand apart from a lot of the other people that are trying to buy the house. Also, if you plan to stay for five years or less in the house, really make sure that you run the numbers and that it it makes sense with how much money you're putting down and you know the the cost of the mortgage. Just really run the numbers and, and figure that out. Uh, maybe it might not make sense to put down twenty percent. Maybe. or 10% makes more sense if you plan to stay in the house for five years or less. Again, just work with a great mortgage broker, great realtor. They'll they'll help you figure those things out. You could even hire a financial planner for, you know, an hour or two session and, and have them help you kind of run those numbers, but have all that information and data available to you. Don't buy the most expensive house on the block. Do your own research. Look for areas that are up and coming and be smart with your purchase. Before we bought our first house, I remember 
that um, the realtor said to me, I want to take you to this neighborhood where there are a lot of new houses that were being built. And in Los Angeles, in that particular area, there were not a lot of new houses being built. So this was kind of like a phenomenon that was happening. And so, of course, you look at a new house that's just freshly painted and has got great landscaping and everything and just looks beautiful. And it's like, well, I want that house. <laughs> but the downside to those houses were that they were a block away from a super, super busy road. Like that road, it ran the entire San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, California. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a huge thoroughfare. And so although you couldn't hear a lot of the noise from the street, it was still was very close to that street. And I remember the realtor telling me, the house is really great and I wanted to make sure I showed it to you, but... I just want to caution you that when you go to sell the house, you might not get as much as you would hope, or you might not have as easy a time finding a seller because you're so close to this main road. And a lot of people don't want to live close to a really busy road. And I mean, I wouldn't, at 24 years old, I was not thinking things like that. I was just looking at the shiny exterior of this house. So, you know, things like that, I would also take into consideration and I guess this comes back to this idea that a house itself won't make you happy. How you use your house, how you entertain friends, how you host your family, the meals that you cook, the house being there for you in good times and in bad times and you know the moments that you make inside of your house, that's where the happiness lies, I believe. And also, I don't think... Dominic or anybody else listening that you have to justify anything with anyone other than yourself or whoever else might be living in the house with you. Your friends can think you're crazy. It's totally fine. It's actually not their money uh, or the purchase of their house, right? It, it's your house. So I would have to say there isn't there isn't one answer. This really comes down to if you feel like there are good decisions for the house, then great. Case closed. Case closed. Yes, there will be a there will be a time when interest rates will go down. Uh, that's history. That will happen. They won't continue to go up. There will be some time where there will be market corrections where the price of houses will decline. When that is, I don't know. If you actually know, please let me know, because <laughs> I would really like to know. But we don't know that. But we know that it's going to be, eventually it's going to happen. So do you decide to stay in the rental that you're in now and wait it out for a year and see what happens? Maybe. Maybe you decide to save more money and maybe you think you might get a big promotion at work and maybe you might be able to afford more of a house. Great. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you decide right now, screw it. I want to buy a house. I don't care what's going on. I want to own something. I have the money to do it. And that is what I want to do. Then fantastic. I want you to go for it. So are there good reasons to buy a house? Absolutely. There are always going to be great reasons. Make sure that the reasons though, that you're buying the house are around how you're going to feel in the house, the memories you're going to make, and less about how much profit you're going to make from the house. 
Because that in itself, again, is a complete X factor that we have no idea what that's going to be. I always hope that everybody makes a profit when they decide to sell their house, but the, the reality is it doesn't always happen. When I went to sell my house because we had to sell it fast in a divorce, there wasn't a lot of profit. There was hardly any profit. Because remember, when you sell a house, you also have to pay about 6% in real estate commissions. That takes a nice chunk out of any potential gain that you have. And those factors are just things that you can't know about ahead of time. So I hope you enjoyed this Ask Shauna question. This was fun. Uh, I love talking about buying a house. So hopefully you gleamed something from my story. I still have a lot of love for that house, that first house and that first experience. And I would go back and live in that house in a heartbeat. But that just wasn't the path that my life took me down. But I hope Dominic and everyone listening, no matter where you are in your house buying journey, I hope that you find a place that makes you feel as amazing as my first house made me feel that it is like a warm hug kind of coming around you. So if you enjoyed this episode, share it with anybody that you might know right now that is trying to figure out, are there actually good reasons to buy a house? As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to everything that I mentioned in this episode. And if you have an Ask Shauna question that you're dying for me to answer, there will also be a link in the show notes. You can go over and just fill out a quick form and I would love to answer your question. So I will see you back here on a future Friday Ask Shauna episode. I hope you have the most wonderful, amazing Friday yet. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC.